podcast. Oops, we're not on yet. And welcome back to Yes Longevity Podcast, where we give you insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Today is our 100th episode. Leave that 100 episodes. I've had 100 different things to talk about. I would never believe that. But it is our 100th episode. We don't have any candles. We don't have any cake. We don't have any noisemakers or anything like that. But what I do have for you today is a review of how the body ages. A review of the 100 episodes where we talked about how the body ages. And what research says on how to stop that aging and what we can do or you can do in your daily life to slow aging, maybe even reverse aging, so that we can live longer and to be able to enjoy those extra years. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm hoping this is working today because we haven't done it from the studio in a while, right on to Facebook Live. And occasionally we have some problems so let's hope that doesn't happen today so where we like to start off with is this it's pretty much been determined now that genes really only determined 20 percent of how long we live and 80 percent is determined by our lifestyle so only 20 percent and if you do have some genes that are not good you can make some changes in your lifestyle that will help offset those poor genes that you may have so if you were to go out there and get your genes tested and it said you know you have a propensity for heart disease you can do some things in your lifestyle to offset that overcome that heart disease so 20 percent genetics 80 percent lifestyle that's the first thing second thing is that we don't want to just live longer we're doing a great job in america living longer living or increasing our lifespan but what we want to do is we want to increase our health span we want to be able to increase how long we live healthy and to be able to enjoy those extra years that's the goal of what we talk about here not just to live longer but to be able to enjoy those extra years so what happens when we age what happens to our bodies as we age and some of this information I'm actually going to take right from my book my book will be coming out sometime in the fall which will discuss strength training specifically for aging. So this is some stuff. This is really part of Chapter 1, that uh, how the body ages. So in a landmark study published in the journal Cell in 2013, they analyzed key biochemical changes that characterize aging in human beings. So the researchers summarized their findings into nine biological categories, or what is called the hallmarks of aging. This is nine hallmarks of aging. So the first, stage one, the primary hallmarks, okay? The first stage of aging can be characterized by the processes that cause cellular damage. They are the primary hallmarks of aging. These are the primary things that happen. Number one, genomic instability. Genomic instability. So our genome is found in our body cells. It's our genes, okay? It's where the body stores the digital information, or digital information. Think of it like uh, a music compact disc. So the old compact disc, I'm pretty sure my audience will know what a compact disc is, okay? It stores information digitally. 
And the beauty of, of a digital stored information is that will last forever unless it's damaged. So in the case of a compact disk, if the disk gets chipped, that information is lost forever. So the gene will not know what to do. In the case of a compact disc, if it gets scratched, the disc no longer plays the music correctly, correct? So it no longer sends out the correct information. But the information can be easily restored by polishing the disc with toothpaste, right? So if we polish a CD with toothpaste, the information is returned. We remove the scratches, and then we get the information again, and the disc will now play like new. So the right information will now be played to our genes, telling the genes what to do. So t scientists believe that the loss of the epigenetic information is likely the root cause of aging. It is our genome gets scratched or damaged. It no longer tells the correct information to the DNA to replicate. So in our daily lives, our DNA is constantly being damaged by our environmental stresses. External stressors like the sun, the UV rays from the sun will damage it, smoking will damage it, um, living in areas with high pollution will damage it, but all these th things damage our DNA, okay? So what happens when it damages? Well, luckily we have enzymes, we're going to talk about those enzymes a little bit later, that are able to effectively target and repair nuclear and mitochondrial DNA damages. But however, as we age, the repair system becomes less effective and DNA damage acclimates. And then it accumulates. And when it does, the cellular mechanisms responsible for DNA replication start to get misread and then information that goes in the DNA causes mutations. When a mutation or accumulated DNA damage occurs, the harmful cells destroy themselves so as to not to replicate and cause damage to the host. So when cells continue to mutate, when they're damaged, the cell's health gets compromised. The most common disease associated with defective responses to DNA is cancer. So DMH also accelerates aging. So, you know, DNA damage is a bad thing. So exercise is that toothpaste that polishes the genome. It's one of the things that will help keep the genome stable. And it's been shown in research to help maintain genomic stability. It does this through boosting DNA repair mechanisms by acting as an antioxidant. And exercise has anti-inflammatory, antioxidant properties due to the spike of anti antioxidant enzymes that occur post-exercise that kind of repair the muscle damage and the oxidative stress. And it promotes the genome stability. So if you consistently engage in exercise, you're going to reduce the likelihood for the instability of the genome and the compact disc will play correctly. Number two is telomere attrition. So yeah, some of this is a little bit sciencey, but I'm going to give you a little um, metaphors to help you remember that. So the genome is the disc, the compact disc. So telomeres is a sequence of DNA that act as protective caps at each end of a chromosome. It's easy to understand this. The purpose of the DNA um, is to protect that telomere. And if you envision the aglet on your shoelace, the aglet protects the shoelace from fraying. The telomere protects the chromosome from damage to uphold the structural integrity, integrity of that chromosome. 
and they limit the total number of replications a cell can make to help prevent mutations, like cancer. So the telomere kind of acts as a secret code that ensures that the chromosome only bonds with the other chromosomes like itself. If a telomere is dysfunctioning or damaged, the chromosome could bond with other molecules that can be harmful. However, as in the previous case of genomic instability, enzymes exist that repair faulty telomeres to prevent it from happening. So we can do some things in our lifestyle to help those telomeres. What's one thing you would do? Telomere attrition is accelerated by lifestyle factors, including being overweight, obesity, smoking, poor diet, all causing oxidative stress and inflammation. But engaging in regular exercise activity has been shown in research to support telomere length, particularly in older adults. Just want to exercise to protect our telomeres. So then we've got our epigenetic alterations. So let's not get confused with the genome. This is epigenetic, okay? Which gives the instructions to the cell on how to replicate. The epigenome tells the cell how to function. A good analogy is to think of our epigenome as a grand piano with 30,000 separate keys. The epigenome plays a piano, deciding which keys gets played. So it's going to tell which genes to go turn on and which genes to turn off. If you think of your inherited genetics, your DNA, as a piano board, then the epigenetics determines how the keys get played. So the epigenetic plays the keys, deciding which keys or genes will be played or expressed and which ones have to stay silent, because being silent is also important, and we'll learn about that in a few minutes. If you think about your inherited genetics, your DNA, as a piano keyboard, then epigenetics determines how the keys get played. The primary players in the concerts are molecular substances that are fixed to the genome and leave markers. These markers, in turn, give cells specialized functions and regulatory and regulate how they function. If too many of these markers accumulate, okay, if there's too much epigenetic folk noise, the directions become muddled and the cells become dysfunctional. This dysfunction leads to identity loss in the cells themselves. So like nerve cells will start to act like muscle cells, and lung cells may start to act like um, liver cells. And it all comes to a genital point of what we call, what we call zombie-like cells, which we're going to talk a little bit later, but over the past decades, scientists realized that rather than focusing on changing our or editing our genes, the way to slow the aging process is to change the song the piano plays, or what the epigenome tells certain cells to do. So alongside from dietary manipulations, a range of environmental and lifestyle factors can influence the epigenetic alterations. Regular exercise alters the gene expression pattern in multiple tissues promoting epigenetic functionality. That to, to function correctly, right? So then we go on to number four, the loss of proteostasis. So proteins are like are molecules ingrained in human health. So they're integral to the human health and they affect all cellular function in the body from the skin to the liver. 
The role of protein provide, depends on their amino acid structures, but can be anything from an antibody to an enzyme. So protein, protein homeostasis or protein proteostasis is a process of regulating cell protein to maintain homeostasis. So homeostasis is the body's ability or tendency to try to maintain an internal stability in an organism, in an organism to compensate for environmental changes. So for example, your body tries to maintain homeostasis in its ability to sense one's body temperature if you become too hot or too cold. So if the body becomes too hot, sweat glands in the skin open up to encourage evaporation and heat loss. In turn, when the body gets cold, this triggers a constriction of blood vessels, which reduces heat transfers, resulting in an increase in body temperature. So that's the body's regulating of its temperature. It does this through all different kinds of systems in the body. So as we age, proteostasis becomes less accurate and stable. Old proteins are not primarily old proteins that are not prim primarily, they're not eliminated. So they're not properly eliminated. So enough new proteins are not produced. And there's some new faulty proteins are produced that are unable to perform their role. So faulty proteins have been linked to diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, in which the proteins bond together and destroy neurons. So there's been plenty of studies to show that regular exercise helps to improve prosteostasis by in, inducing autophagy. So autophagy is a turning over of damaged cells to regenerate new ones. We need to get rid of those old cells and get new cells in there. So there have been studies that show that resistance training particularly increases muscle protein synthesis and decreases protein degradation through the activation autophagy. So those are the primary hallmarks of aging. So then we have the antagonistic hallmarks. It's the second stage of aging. It can be characterized as the response to the cellular damages that occur in the primary hallmarks. So we have number five, which is a deregulation of nutrient sensing. Exactly what it sounds like. It, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, our cells are adapting to the amount of nutrients available in the body, signaling hormones to eat, stop eating, digest, or metabolize, amongst other things. When we age, we experience a deregulation, and deregulated nutrient sensing. So they don't sense as well. This is when our cells become less accurate at detecting nutrient stores and thus less effective at metabolizing the nutrients consumed. This can lead to weight gain, hormonal problems, and metabolic conditions. Well, let's use insulin as an example so you can understand this. The cells in your body need sugar for energy. So sugar cannot get into most cells directly. After you eat, your food, your blood sugar level rises. Cells in the pancreas are signaled to release insulin into the bloodstream. Insulin is then attached to and signals cells to absorb from the bloodstream. So it's like insulin knocks on the cell door to open the door and allow sugar to enter into the cell to be used as energy. As nutrient sensing gets worse, cell has to knock louder and harder on the cell to open the door. When the cell no longer responds well, 
to this or are resistant to insulin, we develop type 2 diabetes. So regular exercise is known, it's been shown to have a beneficial effect on glucose metabolism and insulin sensitivity. Do not want to get type 2 diabetes. So now we're on to number six. We're getting there because there's 91 on number six. We're more than halfway there. Mitochondrial dysfunction. So mitochondria, if you remember from school, are the powerhouses of the cell. They metabolize the nutrients consumed to create energy for the cells. The cell, let's take a look at like, let's say a cell is like a big city, okay? The city has lots of parts to be powered to keep functioning. The cell has lots of little organelles that need power to keep functioning. The mitochondria are the power plant that provides a cell, provides a city with the power, okay, in essence, or the power for the cell. So as we age, our mitochondria become less functional. So we want to produce or create as much mitochondria in our system as it can, because producing energy less effectively and releasing harmful reactive species reactive oxygen species so it's not good when we lose our mitochondria these reactive oxygen species causes dna mutations which we know are not good and inhibit proteostasis which we know is not good and accelerates scar sarcopenia which is loss of muscle tissue as we age and it will finally will suppress the immune system so it, it's very important to uphold the functionality of mitochondria and exercise kind of charges the battery or the mitochondria. So that's a lifestyle change that we can make, physical activity to help our mitochondria. Number seven is cellular senescence. Cellular senescence, okay, so there's trillions of cells in our body are continually replicating and ultimately dying. An estimated 50 billion cells die every day. 50 billion cells die every day. And apoptosis is a process in which normal cell death occurs. These cells are typically cleared away. But sometimes the dead cells are not cleared away. These cells are called senescent cells. They suffer, they severe, they, they suffer irreversible damage and have not been able to leave the body. These are sometimes called as zombie cells. Senescent cells are zombie cells. And zombie cells stay in our body secretly damaging chemical poisons to surrounding tissues and cause chronic inflammation. So it's like zombie cells, you can think of them as rotten strawberries. If you have a rotten strawberry in a container and it doesn't get thrown out, it causes the rest of the strawberries to go bad. So if you want to reduce senescent cells, and it's been shown, People who participate in regular physical activity has less accumulation of senescent cells than those who are sedentary. So then we have a stage three, which is the integrative hallmarks. Okay, the third stage of aging can be characterized by a process that occur as a result of the primary and secondary stages. And these are the final two hallmarks of aging. So we have what's called stem cell exhaustion. A stem cell is like the stem of a tree. It can branch out and become different types of cells, such as nerve cells, skin cells, fat cells, muscle cells. And they're a symbol of hope, right? The new cells. So stem cells are cells that have the ability to develop into many different types, depending on the epigenetic regulation. And it can be used to repair and replace cells. 
and replace red and white blood cells. So stem cell exhaustion refers to reduction of the stem cell activity in which the cell is unable to repair or replace damaged cells and damaged tissues of our blood and cause degeneration. So if you want to reduce the likelihood of stem cell exhaustion, it is necessary to target the catalyst, the primary and the secondary hallmarks of aging. Take care of those, and this gets taken care of. Aside from this genetic component, it can also be done through lifestyle adjustment, including increasing physical activity. You can do it through some fasting, improve your diet quality, managing stress, and avoiding pollutants. There's quite a few things we can do for that. And then finally, as we age, we get some altered intercellular communication. As in the case of the stem cell exhaustion, as we get older, inflammation increases in the body, which accelerates aging in a process known as lymphomaging. And inflammaging is defined as a chronic low-grade inflammation that develops with advanced aging. So there you have the nine hallmarks of aging. That's what happens as we age. Now, I personally believe and study much of the work of David Sinclair. He's a professor of the Department of Genetics and a co-director of the Paul F. Glenn Center for Biology of Aging at the Harvard Medical School. This guy has all kinds of stuff, okay? He's a co-founder of several biotechnology companies. He's on several boards of others. He's a co-founder, chief editor for the Journal of Aging. He's had, he's been featured with five books, uh, documentaries. He's an inventor of 35 different patents. He's received more than 25 awards, including the top 100 Australian innovators in Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people in the world. And he wrote a book recently called Lifespan, the book on how and why we age. And I think this guy is spot on. From everything that I read and know and understand, it all comes down to this, okay? It's what he calls um, the information theory of aging, okay? So he believes that aging is a disease. And everything we die from diseases like cancer, heart disease, and stroke, and all those are caused from aging. So he thinks that aging is a disease. Although no world, no country in the world looks at aging as a disease, one of his goals is to get it looked at as a disease so that we can address it as a disease. Because right now we don't, in the medical field, address aging. We address those individual diseases. So he believes and he thinks that really anything that makes us happy or sedentary is not good for us. So, like not moving, eating too much, never experiencing any temperature changes, like never getting really hot or getting really cold, will affect our aging. And it kind of puts a stop on what we need to do or put our bodies in a defense mode to stop or slow the aging process. So, yeah, it's bad news. All the stuff we like and good. But that doesn't mean you can't do any of that stuff or have any of that stuff. It's just that too much of it is not good. So he believes that it's the information theory of aging. It's the genome and more specifically the epigenome that we talked about before. The playing of the piano and telling the genes and the cells what to do is the key to aging. 
And what we need to try to do is try to put our body in a state of defense. So these the tissues are asked to defend themselves and act younger. That's one of the keys to this. Things to make sure that we're not always faulted. Sometimes we're hungry, that we exercise, that we're not always being sedentary. And finally, that we've experienced some temperature changes. Those are all things that we're going to talk about right now. So the, he believes that there's one gene that controls aging, okay? And that gene is SIRSIR2 uh, gene. It's a silent information regulator, too. And it silences genes that tell genes not to do not to do things for us to age. So sirtuins are special enzymes that are like the pianist that plays the piano, okay? They, they modify they, the other proteins to be repaired. They tell us, they tell the body what to do to repair itself. So if you think of it as like the sirtuins are like branches of the military. They go out and help what needs to be helped, whether it's a a naval thing or whether it's an Air Force type thing or an Army, Marines, whatever it is, the branch of the military goes out, okay, and fixes the problem, whatever needs to be helped. So this tunes are sent out to repair the damaged DNA, okay? The DNA breaks. So it'll go out there and repair the cell. But when that happens, when the sirtuin leaves, okay, it's no longer taking care of the gene that it's supposed to be taking care of. It's no longer silencing that gene, so that gene is now doing things that it should not be doing. As we age, the sirtuins, or the branch of the military, doesn't always come back the way it's supposed to, okay, to silence that gene. It doesn't always be, it's not always able to repair the DNA as well as it was able to when we were younger. And after 50, it really doesn't repair as well as it did. And, and they really don't go back to where they're supposed to go. So at age 50 and beyond is when this really starts to take effect. It happens earlier, but because of some things in our body, the sirtuins are able to get back. and They're able to silence those genes again. They're able to take care of the DNA breaks and things like that. So one thing that's super necessary for, for really to live, but the, for sirtuins, is NAD, okay? NAD is like the fuel for sirtuins. So we need to get NAD into our bodies. We need to create as much NAD as we possibly can. So NAD kind of keeps its eye on what we eat, exercise, and temperature changes, hot and cold temperature changes. And when these things happen, when we don't eat as much as we're supposed to, or when we go to exercise, or when we experience a temperature change, or when we go outside in the winter and we have no coat on and we're shivering, okay? It stresses the body, or puts the body into what we call hormesis. That stresses the body and hunkers it down, and those sirtuins are told to protect the body. And when these things happen, we produce NAD so the sirtuins can do their job. As we age, NAD reduces, and by age 50, we have about half of what we had when we were in our 20s. That's how low the NAD gets, okay? NAD is super important. So what kind of builds our levels of NAD? 
couple things do, okay? So we just talked about hormesis, trying to get the body into stress. Some of the foods or the plants that we eat, okay, have an impact on longevity in the sirtuin pathways. pathways. So the polyphenols, okay, grow into those plants. And then when we go to eat those plants, the colorful vegetables, the colorful fruits, okay, that have been stressed, a, a very colorful, if you have different color tomatoes, okay, or, or peppers, one's a little bit lighter and one's a really deep red or deep green, that means that that pepper has been stressed. It was grown in a, an environment that was difficult, okay? In that, same stresses create the polyphenols that when we get into our body, it almost creates what's called a xenohormesis. Or hormesis, we put the body into stress through the foods that we eat. So that's why we want to eat those types of foods. And again, when the body gets kicked into hormesis, whether it's xeno or not, okay, it puts the body under stress and it helps put the sirtuins into action. It builds the NAD and puts the sirtuins into action. So another way we can do that it is by when we eat. It may be more important than what we eat. Obviously, we can't just go and eat garbage, okay? We know that that's not good. But when we eat is might even be more important than what we eat. So that's why we've talked about intermittent fasting. When we get hungry, it increases NAD levels, kicks up the sirtuins to be active and repair the body to keep the body's epigenos stable, okay? Keep the scratches off of the disc. Make sure the piano's being played correctly. It helps protect the body. So intermittent fasting. Now, one thing that's important about intermittent fasting is you need to change it up a little bit. You need to get hungry. You can't do the same thing all the time because the body will acclimate to that. It gets used to it, and then it's no longer effective. It's no longer effective strategy. So I remember we talked about mTOR. So we've talked about the foods we eat, and we talked about how often we eat, right? So now we're going to talk a little bit about mTOR, okay? It's the one sirtuin pathway that we don't want it to go on, okay? So mTOR senses how much meat or protein is coming into the body or how much we eat. And it, what happens is when it gets sensed like that, the mTOR cystin, okay, thinks that everything is good and everything is great and we have a lot of protein. So it doesn't worry about protecting the body, okay? doesn't worry about repairing the body. It says, hey, everything is good, so let's go produce, let's go grow, let's go build some muscle tissue at the expense of hunkering down and repairing tissues. So always eating meat, especially red meat, okay? Tells mTOR that we don't need to protect ourselves and it lets the body grow. And it actually is what's considered the anti-survival mode. When mTOR is off, it's the anti-survival mode. So that's why we take a look at not just eating fruits and vegetables, okay? Ones that have maybe been stressed a little bit, maybe not have been grown in the perfect environment. We want to look for foods that aren't grown in the perfect environment. We want the food to have been stressed so that when we eat it, it makes our body stress. We want to try to stress the body by causing some hunger and we want to try to stay away from meat so we don't uh, deal with mTOR. 
So exercise, the second thing is increases NAD. It's probably one of the best ways to increase NAD. And whenever we exercise, when we exercise, meaning that we stress the body, it signals the body to go into repair mode. So exercise actively activates sirtuins, but it also has an anti-inflammatory state, a defense tissue that acts, makes us act younger, okay? You can't actually fully reverse aging, and we, and we can't completely eliminate those scratches on the CD, but exercise is one of the best ways, okay, to activate the sirtuins and to increase NAD. Certain exercise is better than other. Intensity interval training is really good for it. Strength training, lifting weights, and changing up your lifting program is extremely important. Again, so the body doesn't acclimate and get used to it. Changing in its particular ways um, is real important. It's not enough time in today's podcast to go over those things. You can look back at a previous podcast where I do review the ways to try to change your exercise program to be able to really influence longevity and the final thing the third thing we can talk about right now and what David Sinclair believes Professor Sinclair believes and what I believe from what I've seen and read and studied temperature changes temperature changes are real important so whether you're getting into a sauna and getting really warm and then jumping into an ice bath leaving your house and it's cold out sometimes get out there and be cold going and taking a cold shower at the end of the at the end of the day or at any point in the day just putting the cold on and getting that shower running real cold are always to affect temperature change and it tells the body to produce NAD turn on the sirtuins to protect itself so those are the three things we've taken a look at food probably the most important thing is to do some intermittent fasting and to change it up so the body doesn't get acclimated to it Exercise, very important. High-intensity infantile training, we know high-intensity infantile training is best if we're using a heart rate monitor. Strength training, super important, not just for activating sirtuins and all the other things that it does, but it's also going to help us be able to enjoy the extra years, make sure we're strong enough so we're not frail, that we don't have any got sarcopenia, that we can actually be able to enjoy the extra years that we're going to live. And we need to create some temperature changes. So always being comfortable, always being full, always never having to worry about eating, always sitting on our butts, never having to get up from the couch, even to change the channel, always living in an environment that's, that's comfortable. Three things. That, yeah, it makes us feel good, right? But those three things are stopping us from living longer. And being able to enjoy those extra years or increasing our health span. And you can't just let it sit in. You can't just always do the same exercise. You can't always just do the same acclimation. Because we know when we exercise, we get used to it. So we need to switch it up. We need to change it specific ways. We know that, let's say we jump into an ice bath. It might feel real cold for two minutes, but as we do that more often, we may be able to last three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. The body is acclimating to it, right? If we always skip breakfast for our intermittent fasting, the body's going to get used to that, and it's no longer to kick on the sirtuin pathway. So you need to switch things up. You need to have different patterns. You need to know and understand what you need to do to be able to do those things. So those are the things that I got for you today. I know you can look for something coming out for real soon, August 1st. I'm going to kick off a, um, 
a 12-week strength training program for longevity for those people who don't come to our coaching center they want to do some strength training it's a 12 week I've been asked a few times I've been asked by quite a few people on what to do and how to do it so I put together this program uh, the link for it is at the bottom of this page if you want to jump on board and get started with that you more than welcome to but I've had a lot of people look for it so look for that we'll see more information about that coming up real soon so that's it that's our hundredth episode a real encapsulation closed tight of all the stuff we've been talking about all the research we've talked about all the different lifestyle changes we can make to live longer and to be able to enjoy those extra years so you look can look for more tips must down here at yes fitness next tuesday at 3 30 and we'll I'll give you some insight on how to get fit feel younger and live better thanks for watching